0: Good morning, Radius Church. The first thing I wanna do this morning is I wanna congratulate those that have been watching online the last couple of weeks. If you made it through two of Russell Johnson's sermons and you stayed awake for both, you deserve a pat on the back, a feather in your cap. That guy's sermons are a snooze fest, especially if I'm sitting in the comfort of my own home on my couch are in my chair. So congratulations to those that stayed awake. I'm kidding, it's a joke, but today Psalm 15 is not gonna be a snooze fest. I want you to sit up on your couch. I want you to sit up in your chair. I want you to lean in a little bit towards your TV as we ask a very important question today, a question that affects every single one of us. And the question is this, are you good enough to approach God? Are you good enough to approach the Holy One? I want you to imagine that as soon as this sermon is over, I get in my truck and I pull out my phone and my maps app, and I type in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, Washington DC. I'm gonna drive to the White House and I wanna meet with the president face to face. I've got some ideas. I've got some thoughts that I'd like to share with him. And so I make the seven hour drive to Washington. I pull up to the gate at the white house and I say, I'm here to have a face to face with the president. I imagine the secret service guards at the gate saying, well, sir, do you have an appointment? I say, well, no, I don't have an appointment. I only need 30 minutes of his time, 45 minutes at the most. Secret service says, sir, who are you? Oh, I, My name is Ryan Maloney, excuse me, Pastor Ryan Maloney down at Radius Rocky Creek down in the Gilbert Leesville area. We're we're doing some pretty big things down there. We're planting churches and making disciples and living generously, just bought a building. We're kind of a big deal. I'm kind of a big deal and I'm here to see the president. Is there anybody listening right now that thinks I'm gonna actually get a meeting with the president? I actually probably have a better chance of being handcuffed and taken to the office of Homeland Security. Why? Because the office of the president of the United States is different. The office of the president of the United States is set apart. The office of the president of the United States is other. You don't just waltz into the Oval Office the same way you waltz into the local office of your insurance agent. It's different. It's set apart. Now, if you multiply that cute little illustration about the president times a trillion, that's how much more God is set apart from us. God isn't like us. He's different, he's set apart, he's holy. When God breathes, hundreds of billions of galaxies just appear. Planets just form from his breath. He speaks things into existence. He is incapable of making a mistake. He's incapable of having a wrong thought. He's incapable of making a wrong move. He has no beginning. He has no end. He has always been. He, is, he will always be. He knows everything. He's everywhere. He is different. He is set apart. He is other. He is holy. And every single one of us are gonna have a face-to-face encounter with the Holy One. I don't know how you picture God in your mind, but I promise you, the picture of God you have in your mind is not big enough. When we see him face to face in all of his glory and all of his holiness, we will respond like the prophet Isaiah who saw God was confronted with God's holiness and said, woe is me, I am ruined. There are several examples of God's holiness in scripture, but my favorite might be the way the worship tent or the worship tabernacle was set up. God wanted to dwell with his people. He wanted to be with his people. He wanted to be near them, but you don't just waltz into the presence of God. You don't barge into his holiness if you wanna continue living. And so there were three curtains. The first curtain was at the courtyard of the tabernacle. The second curtain Where the altar was and where sacrifices were made was the next curtain. And then behind the third curtain was where God's presence was. It was called the Holy of Holies. And only the high priest could go in that third curtain and he could only go once a year. And on the one day of the year that he would go into the Holy of Holies to experience God's presence, they would wrap a rope around his leg in case he died in there so they could pull him out. Why? Because nobody's going in there. And even that high priest couldn't just waltz by the altar, pull back that third curtain and go into there, uh, into the Holy of Holies whenever he wanted to. If he did, he would be utterly obliterated. Why? Because God's holiness is for real. God's holiness is serious. So back to our question this morning, the question that we all have to ask ourselves are you good enough to approach God? When I consider the power and the purity of his holiness, how can I approach that? How can I get near that? How can I get close to that? How can I have fellowship with God? How can I enjoy God? Am I good enough? Well, that's exactly the question David asked in verse one of Psalm 15. Let's look together. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The NLT actually says, Lord, who can enter your presence on your hill? David says, God, I want to know. Who can do it? Who can approach you? Who can come near you? Who can have fellowship with you? Who can enjoy you? And we get the answer right here. In the next four verses, we get the answer to the question. Here they are. Who can approach God? The one whose walk is blameless... The one who does what is righteous. The one who speaks the truth from their heart. The one whose tongue utters no slander. The one who does no wrong to a neighbor. The one who casts no slur on others. The one who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord. The one who keeps an oath, even when it hurts and does not change their mind. The one who lends money to the poor without interest. And the one who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Here are 10 things, 10 ways 10 characteristics of the one who can approach God. Now we're gonna move quickly through these 10 characteristics of the one who can come near to him, the one that can approach his holiness. It would be great if you jotted them down. If you evaluate yourself, are you good enough to pass the test? And the first three characteristics of the one that can approach God all come out of verse two. The first one, the one who lives A blameless life. You wanna be good enough to approach the holy God of the universe? Easy. Live a blameless life. Blameless people are people who cannot be accused of wrongdoing before people or before God. This is the goal of the Christian in their walk as a follower of God. That my private moral character plays out publicly in the way that I live my life so that I'm blameless. So how are you doing in living a blameless life? Would you call yourself the one who lives a blameless life? Number two, what else does it take to approach God? Well, it's the one who does what is right. The one who just simply does what is right. When given the choice between the right thing and the wrong thing, you choose the right thing. They don't just talk the Christian talk. These people walk the Christian walk. They do what is right. Our only rule when I played football in college was that, do right. It's the one rule that covers all of the other rules. And so if our starting quarterback wants to go out on Friday night and party the night before the game, what's the answer to, what's the right thing to do? If I wanna skip class, is that the right thing to do? If I wanna cheat on a term paper to get an easy A and get ahead a little bit, what's the right thing to do? One of our tight ends went out and did donuts with his car late one night on our practice fields. His hope was that if he destroyed the practice fields, they would have to cancel practice. Is that awesome? Yes. Is it hilarious? Yes. Is it the right thing to do? No. Do right. The one who can approach God does the right thing. Number three, if you want to approach God, be the one who speaks the truth from their heart. Also from verse two. Do you want to approach him, come close to him? Do you speak the truth from your heart? This means that what you think on the inside, what your heart feels on the inside is directly linked to the things that come out of your mouth. This would mean that you would never flatter anyone. You would never look at someone and say, I really love that dress you have on. But inside you're thinking, why is she wearing that dress? That thing is hideous. We wouldn't do that if what we feel is linked to the truth that comes out of our mouth. Now, this doesn't mean you go around telling people everything you feel. Can you imagine walking through Walmart on a Saturday and having to tell everybody what you think about their appearance? That would not end well. I think what this does is it exposes how dark and dirty our hearts can be. And that's exactly where God is looking into. He looks straight into our hearts. He cares deeply about what is in our hearts and he cares deeply about the things that come out of our mouths. Next three characteristics have much to do about what comes out of our mouth. Who can approach God? Who can approach his holiness? Number four, the one who does not slander or gossip. This is a dangerous one if you want to enjoy fellowship with God, if you want to approach him, you can't talk about other people. There were these three preachers uh, all in the the same small town and they got together for a friendly gathering. And during the conversation, one preacher said, hey, our people come to us all the time, confessing their sin, telling us their needs. Let's do the same to each other. Confession is good for the soul. And so they all agreed, the three preachers agreed to confess their sin to one another. And so the first preacher confesses that he likes to bet and gamble on sports. And in fact, he had lost a lot of money the week before on that NFL game. A second preacher said, I like to drink too much. In fact, last week I drank so much, I had to call and get a cab to come and pick me up. And so when it was the third preacher's time, he wouldn't confess, he wouldn't step out to confess, but they pressed him and they said, hey, come on now, we confessed our sin. Now it's your turn. And finally, the third preacher answered, My secret sin is gossiping and I can't wait to get out of this room and into our town to share the news I just heard. And you know how he's gonna share it? He's gonna go to his church and he's gonna say, hey, I've got some prayer requests for our friends down the street. One struggling with gambling, one struggling with drunkenness, let's pray for them. The reality is it makes us feel better about ourselves to talk about other people, doesn't it? Like if I can talk about your marriage, I don't have to focus on the shortcomings in my marriage. If I can talk about the way you spend your money, it takes the pressure off of how irresponsible I've been with my money. If I can talk about something that is wrong with your appearance, it takes the focus off all the insecurities I have about my own appearance. This thing is dangerous and God doesn't like it. And some of us would say, I don't do it. I don't participate in gospel and gossip. And I think the next uh, question for you is this, do you put a stop to gossip when you hear it? There was an article, a psychology article that said, you can stop gossip with one question. When somebody starts down that road of gossiping, of slandering, you can put a stop to it with one question. And that question is this, hey, why are you telling me this? it immediately makes that person pause and go, why am I telling you this? You're not part of the problem and you're not part of the solution. I really have no business doing it. So if you wanna get close to God, you can't talk about his people. The one who desires closest with God is the one who does no wrong to other people. Out of verse three, that's our fifth one. You treat every person you come in contact with the right way. You give people the benefit of the doubt. You put their needs above your needs and not just the easy people in your life, the difficult people, the irrational people. Let's just be real. We all have crazy, irrational people that we have to deal with in our lives. How do you deal with them? Do you love them as you love yourself? Number six, if you would like to approach God, be the one that does not insult others. Out of verse three, don't cast slurs on others. And now listen, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, wait a minute, didn't you start this sermon today by making fun of Russell Johnson's sermons? And technically the answer would be yes. But I also accomplished number three on our list. Can we get number three back on the screen? Boom, spoke the truth from my heart. If his sermons are boring and a snooze fest, That's truth in my heart. And so I guess this one's 50-50 of whether I broke that one or not. In all seriousness, God is paying attention when we hurl insults at others, whether it's with my mouth or with what I type. How easy it can be to hurl an insult from a keyboard, whether it be through a text or through a social media post. I saw a post this week on my social media feed. A girl I used to teach posted this on her Facebook page. It said, maybe you should eat some makeup so you can be pretty on the inside too. Posted that on social media. And I don't know what's worse, that she posted it or that other ladies were going on there and liking it. Easy to cast and hurl insults to others. Just not if you want to approach God, the Holy One. Number seven, want to approach him, be the one who does not embrace what God hates. The one who wants to approach God doesn't approve of or participate in things that God hates. This can mean a thousand different things in your life, but I'll tell you what it meant for me this week. I was watching a show on Netflix and I was confronted with Psalm 15 verse 4. I could have justified continuing to watch this show. I had already done that in my mind, but there was one part of this show, one constant part of this show that I know God hates. It's an unholy scene that continues happening in this show. And I know God hates it. And if I wanna approach him, I can't watch it. What might that be for you? Something you watch, something you read, people you follow on social media, people you hang out with, podcasts or music you listen to, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are things he despises and he doesn't want his people entertaining themselves, embracing things that he hates. You wanna be good enough to approach him, number eight, be the one that keeps his word even when it hurts, even when it costs you something. Do you keep your promises when life doesn't go your way? I read about Matt and Lucy this week, an engaged couple 22 days away from their wedding day when Matt is diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. They get married, Lucy doesn't bolt on him. And four days after the wedding, while most couples are enjoying their honeymoon, Matt has a major operation that leaves him with scars and a definitive diagnosis of terminal lung cancer. Lucy says this, when we took our vows on June 24th, we meant every word we said. I, Lucy, take you, Matthew, to be my husband. I promise to be true to you in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health. I will love you and honor you all the days of my life. If you wanna draw near to a holy God, be the one that keeps your promises even when it hurts, even when it might cost you something. Last two characteristics. they come from verse five and both have to do with our money. If you wanna approach him, be the one who is generous, be the one who gives and expects nothing in return. The generous man or woman gives expecting no payback, no credit, maybe not even a thank you. This is a staple of Radius Church that we want to live giving extravagantly in our community. And one honest look at your bank account and how you spend your money, you can answer the question, am I generous? Number 10, last one, the one who puts integrity above their wallet. You want to approach a holy God, be the one that puts your name, your character, your integrity above your wallet. This verse says that the one, this one does not accept bribes that might hurt other people. Several years ago, there were two judges in Philadelphia They were getting bribes from a private detention center to give these long prison sentences to juveniles. They were getting money, $2 million, to close the public facility and keep the private one opening by sentencing people, these young teenagers, more than they really deserve to be sentenced. And the the Bible says, God says that is wicked to thwart justice and hurt the people to make money. So much so that maybe the greatest sin in the history of the world involved bribery and Judas selling out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, a pocket full of chump change. I don't know many judges, but I do know us normal folks should put our name, our integrity above our, above our wallets. I was listening just this morning to the great theologians in the Zach Brown band who have a line in their song that says, there's no dollar sign on a piece of mine. And I think they're right. I got a chance every year to fudge my taxes. Should I to put some more money in my wallet? Not if I want to approach the Holy One. I can tip the waiter or waitress only a dollar to keep my wallet fat. Not if I want to approach him and draw close to him. I can cut corners. I can sacrifice my integrity for financial gain. Should I? not if I want to enjoy fellowship with God. So there you have it. 10 characteristics of the one good enough to approach the Almighty. Are you good enough? You have the answers, who can approach him? The one that does these 10 things. Are you the one that lives a blameless life and does the right thing and speaks the truth and never slanders or gossips? Are you the one that treats other people the way they should be treated and you never cast insults out there? Are you the one that never embraces things that God hates? Are you the one that always uses your money for others and not for yourself? Are you a 10 out of 10 on this test we just took? If you were at the tabernacle, would you blow by the first curtain in the courtyard? Would you go right past the altar in the second curtain? Would you risk your very life based on your score from these 10 things and go right into that third curtain? Would you waltz into God's presence based off of your score from these 10? Let me be real straightforward and real with you this morning. You could never be the one that does all these things. If you think you are the one, if you gave yourself a 10, after, 10 out of 10, we need to meet and go over the de- definition of pride. You can't be the one to approach God and his holiness, but you can bet your life on the fact that there is one that can Jesus Christ is the one that you and I could never be. He goes to the cross and Matthew 27 tells us that when he died on the cross, verse 51, at that moment when he died, nailed, hanging on the cross, that third curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And so now because of Jesus, you go past that first curtain in the courtyard and you go past that second curtain and the altar and you waltz right into God's presence because the blood of Christ is on that altar. You wanna talk about worship? You wanna talk about celebrating? You wanna talk about why this church is trying to make Jesus famous in this community? You wanna talk about the absolute privilege we have approaching the throne of God, waltzing into his presence because of the work of Christ, Jesus, the one who loved us enough to destroy the curtain between us and God. Please don't set your hope on your score, on your ability to be holy. 1 Peter 1.13 says to set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus is revealed. Your hope for fellowship with God, your hope for enjoying God is grace from Jesus. And now some of us hear that and say, awesome. I can live however I want. I don't have to worry about doing those 10 things we just talked about. Jesus paid it all. Hand me the remote. I'm going back to the show on Netflix that I just stopped watching. And as Lee Corso, our friend on college game day would say, not so fast, my friend. It's not a question if Jesus is the one who does Psalm 15 for us or if we are supposed to strive after these things. The answer is both and in that order. 1 Peter chapter 1, right after it says to set your hope on the grace of Jesus, says this Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. The New Testament uses words like strive and pursue and work hard and make every effort. We should be striving with grace-driven effort to pursue holiness because the reward for us is closeness, fellowship, enjoyment of God. The final words of Psalm 15 says, whoever does these 10 things will never be shaken. There's great reward in striving after these things. I've got no chance approaching the president. But what if the president called me? I'd be pretty awesome. You know what's more awesome than that? That this holy God of the universe that's set apart and different and other calls me. He calls me into holy living. He loves me so much that he paid an incredible price to make me holy, to let me waltz into his presence, And he actually desires relationship with me. And he wants us to be holy. He wants you to be holy. He wants in your daily life to pursue holiness. He wants you to become more like him. He wants you to be holy because he is holy. Jesus makes you holy and you should pursue holiness. So how do we apply Psalm 15? How do we put this into play in our life? So I got two two things for your homework this week. Two things for you to do when this screen goes black. Two things for you to do. The first one is I want you to pray. I want you to thank Jesus for being able to waltz right into God's presence because of his sacrifice for us. You don't have to wait for that one day a year for the priest to go in there. You can do it as soon as this thing is over. Gathered together as a family, you can pray thanking Jesus for his sacrifice, for making you holy. And then the second application piece is really, really practical from Psalm 15 this morning. As we read these 10, we recognize that we have some holes in our holiness. And so your homework is to pick one. Pick one of the 10 that you know you're falling short of, that you've constantly fallen short of, pick one hole in your holiness. Maybe share it with your family and talk about some intentional ways that you could grow, that you could strive, that you can make every effort to grow in that area. Let's pray together. Lord, I know for me, at least I take for granted this privilege that we have to just come to you whenever we want. It's not always been like that. And so we stop today and we thank you for the work that Jesus did on the cross to make us holy and to allow us access, to make us good enough to be able to approach you. And so we do that today. I pray that as we wrap up today, that families all across our community as they're watching this would stop and pray and just simply thank you for the access they have to you. And then secondly, Lord, we, we're thankful. We're thankful that you have made us holy and yet we don't wanna be lazy. We don't wanna just throw up our hands and say, well, he paid it all. I'll just live however I wanna live. That's not what you want from us. 1 Peter chapter one, it's clear. You want us to be holy because you are holy. You want us to become more and more like you. And so would you reveal to us just one of the 10. We've got more. We know that. One hole that we have in our holiness that you would help us with, that you would help us grow in. It's in your great name that we pray. Amen.